If the sun sets you free, you're free indeed. God wants to finish the story. And the very thing that we would love, he enfolds in himself all that would bring joy and life and peace to us. Welcome to Keep the Main Thing, a podcast of sermons and messages from Pastor Leland Evenson. I'm Mark Evenson. Today's sermon is from March 6, 1988. It is titled, Homesick for Heaven. Pastor Lee is continuing his study in the book of 2 Corinthians. As we mentioned in the previous podcast, Pastor Lee was teaching a class at North Heights Church and was using 2 Corinthians as his basis for the study. In this sermon, he will be using the last few verses of chapter 4 and the first eight verses in chapter 5 in 2 Corinthians. Today's message is a bit shorter than his typical sermon. That is because it was Communion Sunday and he was leaving time for the Eucharist and the distribution of elements at the end of the service. When Pastor Lee first delivered this sermon on March 6th, he was only a couple of weeks away from his 56th birthday. It's hard for me to even imagine my father at 55 years of age. Heck, I'm getting to that point where it's hard for me to even imagine me at 55 years old. He shares at the beginning of his sermon that he was starting to get homesick for heaven. I wonder how he would have reacted if we could have told him then that he still had 34 more years with us on this earth, which was almost 40% more of his life to live. It would be easy to think that he might have been disheartened to know that heaven was still a long way off for him. Or encourage, perhaps, a chance for more time to do ministry? I guess we will never know. He uses the upcoming communion sacrament at the end of the service as a way to give us a reminder of what heaven will be like, the awaited great feast with all the saints at the table. He superbly offers up an invitation for those who don't know Jesus to come forward and commit their lives to Christ during the time of communion. It is highly effective and provides a good visual of the communion services that were held at that time at Vision of Glory. It's fun that at the beginning of the sermon he gives a shout out to Pastor Hank, who was still his assistant in 1988. It brought back for me fond memories of Pastor Hank and his wife Helen, who were a terrific couple. Pastor Hank was a great support for my father, not to mention one of the best ambassadors for Christ you could ever want to meet. Here is Pastor Leland Evenson, Homesick for Heaven, a sermon given on March 6th, 1988. Continuing in the uh, 2nd Corinthians, today is the 5th chapter, he's starting with the last uh, couple, three verses of the fourth chapter because they really fit in. We'll be only taking uh, the first half of the the fifth chapter. It's impossible uh, to barely skim the surface even to take half the chapter, but rather than trying to go all over what I will do this morning. The last uh, 
three verses of the fourth chapter of 2 Corinthians, if you have your Bible, you can follow along. It says, Therefore we do not lose heart, though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. My mother says I got homesick when I went away to college. She tells of coming to the cities to do some shopping and calling me up at the dormitory and I began even to cry. She said I've forgotten it. Maybe I didn't want to be reminded of a grown man crying uh, at 17 years old. But to come from that little farm and uh, come to the big city and not having been here for more than a day at a time was quite an adjustment. I was also homesick uh, on this trip that was three weeks and yet it seemed like six weeks. It's horrible, I suppose, in some ways to be homesick. Sometimes some of our young people go to Bible camp and you can't get them to eat, you can't get them to uh, participate in any way. All they can do is think of home, what it's like there, the love that awaits them and surrounds them and takes care of them and a variety of ways we can be homesick. I'm starting to get homesick for heaven. I didn't always feel that way, I suppose, when I was younger and uh, just starting out, I didn't have that. But now as I get older, I'm starting to get homesick. I can identify years ago with the man who told a friend, you know, I went to the Lord to ask about you, and he gave me some good news and some bad news. The good news is you're going to heaven. The bad news is you're going on Thursday. Paul would not think that was humorous. He wouldn't catch the humor of it, which, of course, it's intended to be funny. But to Paul, uh, he was willing, he was excited, he was homesick. It says in the 8th verse of the 5th <coughs> chapter of 2 Corinthians, We are confident, I say, and would prefer to be away from the body and at home with the Lord. My desire is to depart and be with Christ. The older I get, the more... I do sense that this world is not our home. That there's more there's a sense of the certainty and the reality of, of heaven and that God wouldn't put this desire in our hearts to live forever if there wasn't a fulfillment because every desire, our hunger and our thirst, our sexuality, for every desire and thirst there is a fulfillment. And certainly this desire for eternity, for, for the perfect life, for no pain and sorrow and tears, if God wouldn't have put that in there, if there wasn't a place that that would be fulfilled and also a time. There's no place like home. homesick for heaven. And one of the reasons, I suppose, as we get older, our outer nature is wasting away. I'm reminded of that, I look at the back of my hands and I start to see those brown spots coming that I used to see in my grandparents' hands, and now they're on mine. There's been some patchwork. I've tried to have the doctors do some burning off of some precancerous spots and dark spots on my face. At least I say it's done because they're cancerous. Maybe it's because I don't want to be reminded my outer nature is wasting away. A couple in California have written a book, 858 pages, sells for $25. <clears throat> Practical suggestions on how to live longer, and it's already in its 11th printing. And Warner Books is coming out with a companion volume because of the tremendous desire people have, you see, to try to preserve the outer nature, the physical. Uh, one of our uh, companies here is offering a mud pack special for 1995 that will preserve you. If you want to know which company, I'll tell you after the service. 
Nobody, it seems, wants to get older. We search for the fountain of youth. But we do get older. When, by the time you're 16 and 17, when you get beyond that, your hearing begins to go. And today, with our rock music, it probably goes by 12. But at any rate, it begins to go even at 16 and 17. 25 to 27 years old, you're at your prime physically. After that, it's all downhill. I know Pastor Hank doesn't want to admit that. He had his 71st birthday yesterday, and outwardly, he is wasting away. Though he may look the same to us as he did years ago when he came, he is outwardly deteriorating as I am, as all of us are. <laughs> There's a beautiful picture, if you can think of a beautiful picture of aging, and it's in Ecclesiastes. When uh, you get home, you want to read that. Uh, the Hebrews had a wonderful way of talking in pictures and, and bringing pictures, and they do this in in the 12th chapter of Ecclesiastes where it says, Remember your Creator in the days of your youth, before the day of trouble comes, and the years approach when you will say, I find no pleasure in them. When the keeper of the house trembles. Any of you getting shaky hands? The sign you are deteriorating outwardly, wasting away. The strong men stoop. Sometimes we begin not to walk as straight as we used to. When the grinders cease because they are few. I'm not going to embarrass you and ask you to hold up your partial plates or all your false teeth this morning. But I dare say there are some of you here that have those. You see, your grinders became few. And so you needed partial plates. And those looking through the windows grow dim. A lot of glasses as I look out here this morning. And some of us, uh, was really a shock when I got my last driver's license now to have on there. I can't drive without glasses. It was a reminder, you see, of, of my being way, my eyesight is, is getting poor. When, when the doors to the streets are closed and the sound of grinding fades, some of us, our hearing is beginning to fade more and more. And we're beginning if we should have a hearing aid in that way. When men rise up at the sound of birds, the older you get, the lighter you sleep. I used to be able to sleep through anything, and uh, they could carry off everything in the house. Now, things, uh, some little sound, I began to wake up. When men are afraid of heights, I used to change a lot of storm windows uh, before we had uh, <clears throat> the kind you don't have to change. And my father and mother-in-law had a one window in the back of their house in Robbinsdale where you'd have to extend the suspension ladder bolt to its full length because it was really three stories in the back of their house. And I remember when I first came from lacrosse, it was no sweat. But the last few years I had to do that, I would just clutch that ladder as I got up there. And I realized then why my dad no longer, when he got older, wanted to go and oil everybody's windmills. He used to oil all the neighbor's windmills because he didn't mind the height. You get older, you're afraid of heights. When the almond tree blossoms, there's some gray hair out here this morning uh, that I see, and uh, that's a reminder of what's happening. The grasshopper drags himself along. I gave up jogging a couple years ago, started to walking. I told myself it was because it was better for me, and it wasn't as hard on my knees and my back. <clears throat> Maybe I wasn't quite being honest. Maybe it was a little harder to continue that, and so I went to another kind of exercise. And the man goes to his eternal home. And the mourners go about the streets. You get homesick. When you become more and more incapacitated, when there's more and more pains from arthritis or rheumatism or just the general aging, and you aren't able to do the things that you used to do. We joke about it, 
that's sometimes how we handle death, it's with humor. There's a co-star in the television series, Facts of Life, said it's not that I'm afraid to die, it's just I don't want to be there when it happens. And that's often how we handle death, we're trying to handle it with humor, but somehow the idea that we die doesn't fade away. I get homesick. When you see the deterioration as I saw when my father got a stroke and Miriam got her cancer and I go to the nursing homes and I see that kind of deterioration, you begin to get homesick for the day when they will have new bodies, when all the pain and sorrow and tears and all of those things are gone and we will have a glorified body such as Jesus. He goes on in the fifth <clears throat> chapter then of 2 Corinthians on the same kind of theme with these words. Now we know that if the earthly tent we live in is destroyed, we have a building from God, an eternal house in heaven, not built by human hands. Meanwhile, we groan, longing to be clothed with our heavenly dwelling, because when we are clothed, we will not be found naked. For while we are in this tent, we groan and are burdened, because we do not wish to be unclothed, but to be clothed with our heavenly dwelling, so that what is mortal may be swallowed up by life. There's a sense of incompleteness in this life, an imperfectness. Uh, Ziggy in one of his cartoons says, did you ever have one of those days when you got up and felt everything was going to turn out perfect? And he says, me neither. Somehow we just sense that things are going to go wrong. We go on a trip and we may have car trouble or some of those who went on the cruise had all kinds of trouble or, or someone gets sick and a variety of things. Every day there are things that, that we groan because we sense life could be better. Our marriage could be more complete. Our, our children's relationship with them could be more open and more loving and we could be more in terms of having that, that sense of oneness that God made us to have with Him and with one another. And we groan under that, longing for a sense of greater completeness. Because you see, we are just like... There are days we'd like to be able to fly like the birds, you know, and to go off a high building and just float around. And, but the gravitation will pull us back to the earth. So there's a gravitation of sin and of our old nature that keeps us from being able to fly and to be free. And so I get homesick when, I, when you get a little glimpse of what you see life can be in relationships. And we do get a little glimpse. We maybe have one perfect day or a perfect hour or a perfect holiday, and, and everybody seems to be in oneness, and there's joy and peace and celebration, and we'd like to hold that, like there are days I would have liked to have held with my, and my family, with Miriam and the children, that, but time goes on, and we are a passing through, but there's a groaning that's in us. When we, our children were growing up, we did a lot of camping. We had a little camping trailer with bare essentials. It didn't have anything built into it, so we'd carry an icebox uh, along and a portable stove, and it was a good way. Every summer we could go and it wasn't that expensive and we could afford it. And, uh, but after a few days we'd start to all groan. And uh, not only the children but myself, we'd groan for our own beds and we'd groan for our shower and for a thermostat and for a variety of things. It was all right temporarily, but we were looking forward, you see, to being going home. Paul was a tent maker and so he uses the idea of the tent, the impermanence of the tent in this scripture at the beginning of 2 Corinthians, the fifth chapter. There's that groaning when we're living in these tents, in these bodies, and in this world. And so I get homesick when I know in those moments of what life can be. And that too often they're interrupted by pain and problems and frustrations and loneliness and all that goes with it. And Paul was homesick. I get homesick and groan because I see the things going on in the condition of the world. 
You see, insurmountable problems. I don't care which party is in power or get in power. Our debt is something that, how do you deal with that? There is no human answer. We see the revolutions going on. We, we see more and more crime increasing and the variety of plagues that are coming into our world. And so one becomes homesick as you sense the condition of our world. And as Jesus talks about the characteristics as before his coming again. I groan because I know we're made for something bigger than this world. That there is a place where we no longer are tenting, but we're home. And we will be complete. To see those, to go to a zoo, it's fun and yet it's not fun. You see a beautiful eagle that you know was, was made for something more than a cage or even those animals that pace back and forth and your heart goes out to them that they aren't free. And in a real sense that's you and me. We are caged you see in this world because of our limitedness in our faith and our limitedness because of our old nature and our sinfulness. Somehow we just groan that they're for the completeness of life and the freedom of life to love and not to resent. To be, to be thankful and not jealous of others around us. To know that not just for a few moments, but to know that perfectly, moment by moment, where there is no time in eternity. I'm homesick. For faith to become sight. Paul goes on in the sixth verse. <clears throat> Or the fifth verse, now it is God who has made us for this very purpose and has given us the Spirit as a deposit, guaranteeing what is to come. Therefore we are always confident and know that as long as we are at home in the body, we are away from the Lord. We live by faith, not by sight. <clears throat> we are confident, I say, and we prefer to be away from the body and at home with the Lord. So we make it our goal to please Him, whether we are at home in the body or away from it. When I was going together before Mary and I got married, it was, it was difficult because... I would come out to see her and uh, Robbinsdale, and then I'd have to go back to the dormitory. How I hated saying goodbye. I looked forward to the day when the incomplete relationship would be made complete in the consummation of our marriage. And wished that I could have stayed there and not had to trudge back. Or in the summer when I would go home to work at Bird's Eye Frozen Food, and she would be here in the city, and I would come down once in a great while to see her for a day. I hated that have to go back to live by faith and not by sight. I get homesick when I sense my relationship with the Lord is that kind of relationship by faith, but I look forward to it being consummated, to be made complete, to have a sense of the oneness with the Lord, which I capture just for a few seconds sometimes when we worship together, or when I'm quiet in my bed, or when I'm looking at His Word, or when I'm talking to other Christians. But I long for the day when it's consummated, as Paul longed for that. And the older I get, the more I sense how much more there is. He's given us a spirit as a deposit to develop in us a taste for heaven, a taste for a deeper relationship. Even as the spirit of my wife was deposited in me, and so I began to groan more and more for the completeness of that relationship. Outwardly we are wasting away, but inwardly we are being renewed. That in the midst of this kind of world, in its conditions and its incompleteness, there should be, though, a sense of celebration, a sense of anticipation, a sense of hope for the wedding day when he who is the bridegroom will come for his bride, the church, and for all who love him. Are you getting homesick? 
Are you developing a taste for heaven by coming here, coming to the altar? Are you hungry for the Lord and for that closer, more intimate kind of, of walking with Him and sharing with Him and knowing Him and loving Him and sensing His complete love for you? There was a song in KKS yesterday morning when I got up that said we are, we're not getting older, we're getting closer. That's not true. We're, we are getting older. But I understood what he meant when he said we're getting closer. We're all terminal cases. We're all dying a day at a time. Sometimes we get excited when we hear someone has a terminal illness. But all of us, you see, all of us are dying a day at a time. And if we know Jesus, we're getting closer closer to heaven. And I have not seen or ear heard the things God has prepared for those who love him. But there's a sense of seriousness here. It says in verse 10, we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. But not everybody is going there. This world is simply a trial plot where we decide, where we exercise our wills. So this morning I'm concerned, concerned for each one here because I have a responsibility for each one of you that hear my voice. Do you know Jesus? Do you sense that when he died on the cross and rose again, he died to give you a passport to heaven, that it's a gift? Have you received him so that you, his spirit is in you? It says his spirit witnesses to our spirit. We're children of God. If somebody said today to you, are you going to heaven? Could you say with a certainty and a sense of celebration and excitement, yes, I am? Or would you hedge saying, I hope so, I think so, I would like to? This morning you can know. One of the things I guarded when I was on the trip was my passport. I didn't keep as close fingers on anything else, even including some of the tra traveler's texts I did in my passport. I, and the longer I've gone, the more I clutched that passport. I groan because I know in this world, as long as I live here, there's a possibility of me losing my passport of me breaking that relationship with the Lord. I don't believe in eternal security. Once saved, always saved. Because it's a daily relationship. It says he never leave or forsake us, but we can leave and forsake him. And it says in the latter days, when the affluence comes and the money comes, many people's heart will grow cold and they will forget the Lord and they'll lose their passport thinking it's not that important. I can always find it tomorrow. There is a heaven to be gained and a hell to be avoided. And Jesus himself talked about the reality of both. And Paul always would bring up that. So even though you have your passport today, we need to live in that sense of protecting it. A sense of growing in our walk with the Lord, lest we lose it and our love grow cold. And if you don't have a passport, you don't know Jesus, you can know him today. Simply write your name on a communion card, whether you're old or young, whether you're 6 or 60 or 96, write your name on the card. And symbolically, you could give it to Pastor Hank and myself, and by this you're saying, I give my life to you today, Jesus, because I want to have that sense of homesickness to begin to work in me. For I do fear death, and I do fear eternity.
getting homesick, people have come up and said, you know, you've lost your wife, haven't you? But I haven't lost her. But I know where she is. I know who she's with. And you began to get homesick because more and more of those you love and love you have gone through the door. For she is with him. And today as I came to the communion table at the first service, I pictured her and also being at the same table because it's a large table says we are surrounded by the saints and I pictured her sitting at table too. We're having the hors d'oeuvres. She's already to the main course, but she will still be eating the main course by the time I get there. And so will we all who love him. So we come to table today. We can come with that picture. There's only a door. Come, you who are hungry and thirsty, draw near to him, and he will draw near to you. Getting homesick. For I sense the incompleteness of life here. I sense his spirit stirring me here to see that the reality is not what we see, as Paul says, for these things will pass away. But that which is unseen is eternal. And one day, my groaning and my longing and my simply previewing and simply tasting will all be known in the fullness of his presence, where he's gone to prepare a place for you and for me. I know where she is, where she is at table today. I pictured her as we were singing some of these great responses, also singing in to him and praising him. Who would want her back? For the imperfections? promise that one day this all passes away the new heaven and the new earth and he will dwell with them and they will be his people he will wipe every tear from their eye there will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things has passed away getting homesick or a day closer today than yesterday and it could be today we could go out of the station together wouldn't that be great or we may go one by one but all of us will go and Jesus came to give us each a passport so we don't have to live in the bondage the fear of death so when we see the brown spots or new wrinkles or new pain it's simply a reminder the outer is wearing away. If the Spirit is in you, He's renewing you and making you more excited. 
that which is complete in him. Amen. Are you homesick? Homesick for heaven? Pastor Lee finally made it home one year ago from the day we recorded this podcast. We are certain that he is experiencing everything he talked about in this sermon. This sermon is a great reminder that everything we do in our lives, with our lives, all that we are thinking, what we are feeling, our entire being is influenced and marked by our faith and confidence that one day we will finally be home in heaven. Sometimes I try to think of what life would be like without that assurance that you will have eternal life with Jesus in heaven. I imagine life to be difficult, empty, maybe even seeming futile when not believing that there is more to this than the short time we have on this earth and that that is it. I hope that is not the case for you. If it is, then please give this Jesus thing a chance. Get to know him, get to know about him. When you know Jesus, you also know his Father who created the heavens and earth. And he promises that if we believe in him and have a relationship with him, he has saved a place for us in heaven for all of eternity. I pray that everyone who listens to this podcast will be homesick for heaven. A sincere thank you to Spencer, Lee, and Shauna for their continued commitment to these podcasts. We are very grateful to you who continue to listen. Now we will close this podcast with the words spoken many times at Vision of Glory on Communion Sunday during the Eucharist. Remembering therefore his death, resurrection, and ascension, we await his coming in glory. We pray, Lord, pour out your spirit that by this Holy Communion we may know the unity we share with all your people in the body of your Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. Through him, with him, in him, in the unity of the Holy Spirit, all glory and honor are yours, Almighty Father, now and forever. Amen.